How are we feeling today, Harvest? Are we feeling good? Good. I love the energy, Alex. Come on. Lift it up. Um, you know, it's cold outside. It's still winter. True story, before I left for Florida on vacation, I put all of the shovels away in the attic. And I'm like, what? This is crazy. How? I jinxed you. I did it. What am I doing? How you, how you feeling physically? Feeling good? I, uh, again, true confessions, I can't hear out of my left ear right now. I have a, I think this is like the ocean or something. You like, you get water in your ear and then I got an ear infection, whatever. I'm on antibiotics, but I'll still be doing some elbow bumping today. Just don't want to get you sick, but, uh, just not feeling my best today. How about you? Anybody? You ever been under the weather? It kind of like, oh man, back hurts or my, you know, I just, Getting old, Dave, we're getting old. <laughs> Get the aches and pains of life. How about spiritually? How are you feeling spiritually? Dude, I'm a zero today, or I'm a 10. Like, I'm on fire for God. This is so amazing. And you know, your physical doesn't have to affect how you're feeling spiritually. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't have to. How about mentally, emotionally, and relationally? You had a zero or a 10, or you had a five, you know, where are you at relationally? We're, we're talking about relationship restart, right? I mean, isn't it true? Well, I know this to be true. If you're not there today where you need a relationship restart, you will be there one day. You will be there one day where you're at a de- deficit, where you need a do-over, where you want to just walk up to somebody and be like, can we start over, please? Because it ain't going very well for us. And it requires repentance. Please forgive me. I want to make this right right now. And uh, we all need that moment at some point. So open to Ephesians chapter 5. And let's get after um, our food for today. It is so rich. Maybe one of the most read passages in all of Scripture. Um, Definitely preached at almost every wedding. (laughs) I thought about doing the message from the weddings that I've done, but uh, I've chosen to split it up uh, to do husbands today and wives next week. And um, so two messages. You got to see this first, Ephesians 5.21. Okay, throw it on the screen, right? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is a verse every believer of Jesus Christ needs to have memorized. Okay, just leave it up there. Write it down on your paper, right? Memorizing starts with writing it down. You know that, right? When you write something down, you are reading it. When you say it out loud, you are hearing it and reading it. And when you're, you know, start to meditate on it, and this is a very short verse. But people want to skip this verse because the chapter starts... You know, up at verse 1, but then but here at verse 21, this is kind of a tack on, and then we get to wives and husbands. You know, you got all these like little things that aren't inspired that we throw in there. And um, I'm just going to say, this, this verse has to go with verse 22. You go, how do you know? Thank you. You go, how do you know? I can only hear out of this ear. That's why I'm leaning this way. 
You can participate even if I can't hear. I read lips. All right. Because the word submit that you see in verse 22, do you see it there? Isn't there in the Greek. Like, why did they put it in? Because it's an obvious, it, it, it took the verb from verse 21 and added it right there. So it's just easier for you to understand if we add it again. But that's not the way it's written in the Greek. That's how we write it in the English. Nobody wants to argue with whether it should be in there or not. It should be in there, right? You read verse 24, ding. (laughs) But verse 21 and verse 22 are very connected. And so we started this series two weeks ago during Easter. I started with, how's your relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with God? And then Chris continued last week. I watched it, man. It wasn't that powerful, that illustration at the back when he's like, I found my wife in the closet. Like, don't be a dork. Every one of you guys have found your wife in the closet, right? And he was just man enough to get up and say that. And I was just like floored and like, yes, yes, I've found my wife in the closet. Yes, I've had that crushing moment where I'm a dork and I need to be reminded that I'm the leader and it's on me. Again today, guys, okay? We'll get to it in a second. But he covered, hey, 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 how's your relationship with other believers? How's my relationship with other believers? I want to make it very clear. We're talking to believers here. Paul has believers in mind. He's talking to the church. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, truth in church, who hasn't written it down yet? Come on, write it down. Am I still leaving it up there? I said write it down. It was like 10 words. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. It's 9, even better. Put the punctuation on there. You got time? Write it down. That's the beginning of you memorizing it. You need to have this memorized, okay? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You say, why are you making this such a big deal? You say, why are you making it such a big deal? Wow, this is good. This is good. All right. Because this is the foundation for everything else that is written about Wives and husbands, about children and parents, fathers in particular, about slaves and masters. Do you notice a pattern? Wives and husbands, children and fathers, parents, slaves and masters. Do you notice a pattern? He always starts with one the one that's supposed to be submissive and obedient, add as well as the other person supposed to be submissive and obedient. Just the second person, the husband, the father, parent, the master, has more responsibility. And so, yes, this, check that box, and I have some more information for you. You need to do this too. You need to not only submit, but you need to love. You need to not only obey, but you need to do it in a caring and compassionate way. So that's why I'm going to go after guys first today. Because he writes more to the guys. It's a very high standard. And he gets very specific. He says, husbands. I realize not everybody here is a husband, so you're probably like, hey, I'm going to check out now. No, don't do that. Jesus was never a husband. 
physically, and neither are you. But spiritually, I would submit to you that he is the husband of the bride, the church, and that you have a husband-wife relationship somewhere in your life as well, and if you want to learn how to interact in that relationship, whether it be spiritually or otherwise, that you should pick up on the same principles that God's asking the man to do here, the husband to do here. Don't check out, all right? Let's pray in that regard, and then I'm going to read the passage. Father God, we come to you, I come to you weak, not feeling my best today, wanting so badly to um, have this energy and passion and um, just connect to people, um, to feel the worship and to feel, um, but God, our love relationship, you and me, it's not about feelings. I know you love me unconditionally. And I know you came to speak through me today in a powerful way, and I'm so grateful. God, would you help me to get out of the way? Would you help the scriptures to be so clear? And through all of this, a very flawed servant, would you produce fruit? Please, Spirit, run rampant in the lives of your people today because you love us. We love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start reading there in verse 21. You should have it memorized by now. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ, okay? All right, I add Jesus. That's why I said 10 words. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Not to every husband, just to your own husband, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its Savior. Christ is the Savior of the church. I hope Christ is the Savior of you, and that you're part of the church. Now, as the church submits to Christ, hopefully every one of you is part of the church and is submitting to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. More on that next week. How about that? Ladies, you're off the hook for a week. I'm coming back. The word is so clear. Verse 25, Ephesians chapter 5. I hope I said that earlier. I can't remember everything I said, so hopefully you remember more of what I said than I am. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. As Christ. As, did you notice that? Women, as Christ. Men, as Christ. Our model is Christ. And gave himself up for her. What does that mean? Somebody tell me what that means. Sacrifice? I'm looking for a particular word. Died. He died. Guys, write it down. I need to die. I need to die to myself. This is an unselfish thing. Okay? I need to die. He gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. With the word should be circled in your Bible. How do you get washed with the water? I didn't hear you. Sorry, I need to turn this way. How do you get washed in the water? The with the word. 
With the word. That's how you're going to be cleansed. With the word. Good thing we're looking at it today. So that he might present the church to himself. That is a great evidence for the Trinity. What do you mean you're going to present it to yourself? You got two personalities? Uh, three. Uh, personhoods, actually. Manifestations. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, radiance, glory, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. I'm seeing more of those in my life. Wrinkles. That she might be holy and without blemish. That means blameless. In the same way, just like that, just like what he just said, in the same way that Jesus did those things in those verses, 25 through... In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He adds something there, doesn't he? His own body. Mmm. It's a great illustration. Love your wife like you love yourself. Then this. He who loves his wife loves himself. That should be underlined in every man's Bible. Go ahead, Austin. You want to be a man? Underline that, right? I mean, that right there is the key to success in marriage. Love your wife. That's how you love yourself. Love your wife. It all comes around if you love your wife. He who loves his wife loves himself. Okay, guys, gals, everyone in the audience, write this word down. Love. It's agape. It's God love. It's not love you might think of or see on TV. It's God's type of love. It's the highest kind of love. It's a selfless, I want your highest good kind of love. For no one ever hated his own flesh. I have trouble with that verse. You? You ever hate your own flesh? So that verse doesn't really make sense to me. But it is true because if I really get past all the deceitfulness of my heart, I do love myself quite a bit. But at face value, I don't think I'm that good, right? Kind of self-loathing, kind of be like, well, that wasn't good enough, and I wish I could weigh less, or I wish I could be stronger, or I wish, you know, something about anybody feel that way? Am I the only person that doesn't want to be me? I want to be someone else. The body of Josh Rose. The gray hair. <laughs> I just would love some gray hair. It's a crown of glory. It just, you know, why do we want to be somebody else? God made you, you. You're supposed to be who you are supposed to be in Christ, as Christ. Man, I love that. So even though I struggle with that, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, that means feeds it, and cherishes, that means cares for, I think you're probably feeding your body, men. I think you're probably caring for yourself. 
cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. I think verse 30 is very key. Short verse with a lot of punch. Because we are members of his body. Are you a member? Are you a member of the church of Jesus Christ? Okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm saved. And then the church nowadays has formal membership, right? Because we keep some people out and we let some people in, right? It's kind of a legal thing because of the world we live in. Are you a member of the church today? Should you be? There's a class going on called Step 2. If you haven't been to it, it'd be great. It's kind of like a membership class. You should go to it today, 10.30, I think, or 11 it starts. I should know, but I don't. Ask someone and they'll tell you. Because we are members of his body. Let's just get to the last couple verses here. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Anybody know where that's quoted? Genesis what? Did somebody say two? 24. Wow. Well done. Oh, is it in your Bible? You have a smart Bible. I wrote it in the side of my Bible because it's not smart. This mystery, did you know it was a mystery, marriage? Like, yeah, it's got me fooled. Like, this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, even though it's a mystery and it's deep, let's get back to reality. However, let each one of you, men, husbands, Love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There it is. That's the word of God. So here's how I'm going to break it down. How to be a godly husband. That's the title of the message. A.K.A. How to have a relationship with my wife. Right? How to be a godly husband. Let's start with this idea. Godly husbands love, I told you it was going to be in the outline about a billion times. Godly husbands love sacrificially. He has more to say to husbands here. He sets a very high standard. The standard is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the first husband. And the best husband. And a perfect husband. Of which you will not be. But we can keep trying. And we should. Because we love Jesus and we want to follow him. Husbands, verse 25, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See the sacrificial love? That he might sanctify her. See, this... uh, Sacrificial love, agape, seeking the highest good of another person, not selfish at all. I need to die to some things. Love. It's a special love. It's the love that you uh, should have for your wife. And it's a love that's a response to who God is and what He's done in your life. The love that God has for you. It's a pattern or an expression of the love you feel from God. So, men, can I ask you this? Do you feel loved by God? 
Because if you don't feel loved by God, you'll never love your wife well. Tell you my story. You know, I've tried to love my wife well. Um, I haven't always done it. Uh, gentleness has been an issue, I'm sometimes harsh and critical. And God says your prayers won't be answered if you are. And so I've taken notice of that. But I remember something changing in our relationship when I actually felt loved by God. You know, because you grow up in church and, you know, church can be a bit legalistic. It's a term I use. Um, I don't know if you know what that means. It's about the rules. Church can be about the rules. And then you get this picture of God that he's the ogre, right? As you drive down the street, if you do something wrong, he's just going to hit you with a big hammer. And that was my picture of God. And so with that picture of God, mostly because most times we tell stories from the Old Testament to our kids. <laughs> and so you see this judgmental, vengeful God who's like, you're my people, act like it, right? <laughs> At least that's how it was expressed to me. But get to the cross. God sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to redeem you. Why? Because he loves you. If you don't know God loves you, you haven't read his love letter. If you don't know God loves you, men, you haven't asked him if he loves you, because he'll tell you. If you don't know God loves you, you can't love your wife the way Jesus Christ loves you. You can't do it. The sacrificial love, I just got to say this, uh, means you have to die to yourself. I said to write that down earlier. I'm going to get back to it right now. He gave himself up for her. What do you need to die to today? What do you need to die to today, guys? I need you to think. Put your thinking hats on. Get your pen ready, right? All right? I wrote a couple things down, but you're going to write down your own stuff. Number one, the game. I need to die to the game, as in sports. Isn't the playoffs on today? Oh yeah, I should sit in front of the TV for like, how many games are there? Four? You know what I mean? Football season's the worst. There'll be a 12 o'clock game, there'll be a 3 o'clock game. Can I get a head nod, ladies? Thank you, amen, right? I, you don't know that you're stuck in that until you get out of it. When I first came to town, I used to go to my brother's house, and we would, he had TV and we didn't, and we would just stay there, right? Vikings game, next game. Broncos game at seven. You know, like, it's like 12, 3, 7. All day. You got to die to that. You got to die to the fact that you can watch at nauseum a bunch of stuff. I just think of this verse up here that Chris uh, quoted last week. Um, verse 16. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I'm so convicted about how I use my time, and I don't use it wisely. I'm, I'm kind of crunching you here, but like, hey man, I've been there. I've watched less TV than I've ever watched this year. Praise the Lord. I hope next year will be even better. I love a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I have ADHD, and a good story will focus me right in on something. All right? I love a good movie. Shut the brain off. All the troubles of the world are gone. That's great. But you know what? I'm, I, you know, 
Go see the Paul movie. Go see something that's going to encourage you and challenge you. Go see, I can only imagine, go see something that will uplift you. Don't see something that's going to drag you down and put spots on you and wrinkles on you. All right, I'm off of it. Number two, my games, right? The game, my games. What are you talking about? I made it all about games. My games, right? My hobbies, right? I like to play board games. We were playing board games with my kids. That's why this message isn't that good today because I spent an hour and a half playing board games with my kids instead of preparing yesterday. Um, Stink. I'm going to take a pass on that because I love my kids a lot and the message will be just fine with God. I, I... but there's, there's games, right? You playing games? In moderation. Your hobbies should be in moderation. And your number one hobby should be your wife. Loving her. Making sure she's uh, you know, feeling loved and secure. Um, that ought to be your number one hobby. Playing games. Number three, playing games. There should be no guessing. Your wife should not be like, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. That's like a, what is that? Like a grade school game. If you're still doing that, if your wife still doesn't know if you love her or not, shame on you. Knock it off. Tell her you love her. Bring her some roses. Cook her dinner. Like, do something that shows her you love her. Stop playing games with your wife. She needs to know unconditionally, I love you. It ain't changing. You're like, I know, I know, I did that, right? I told her, I love you, and if it ever changes, I'll let you know. And that was 26 years ago. (laughs) Yep. You're a doofus. (laughs) Tell her again. Tell her daily, right? My wife has several reminders for me. Always kiss me goodnight, right? In the bedroom, right? There's something about morning. I should memorize that one too. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Now you really know how messed up I am. Number four, gaming. If you're playing video games and you're over 20, okay, if you're playing video games and you're over 12, anyway. Like, give me gravy, dude. Get a different hobby. I don't know. I, I I don't even know what to say about that. So, I play an occasional video game with my, with my kids, like Mario Brothers or something. I don't know. They'd like me to play more. Maybe I should take more time to play with them. But, uh, I, you know, I don't see the purpose of solving the next level. I see the high I get when I'm in Clash of Clans and I'm like, what? I just got more stuff. Fictitious stuff that I can blow up fictitious stuff with. It's awesomely fictitious. It's crazy. All right, you got to die to yourself. I'm making fun of it, but gaming has got to go. And number five, you got to die to being a player. All right? Are you trying to catch somebody else's eye? Like, I haven't combed my hair in the last, I don't know how many days, right? And then I go look it in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, I'm at church. I should, like, get some water on there, right? Like, Who are you trying to impress? Who are you getting dressed up for? Who are you trying to say something intelligent for? I hope it's your wife. Hope you're not trying to catch somebody else's attention. Uh, Men that aren't married, maybe you need to pay attention to this point as well. You got to die to yourself, right? Who do you live for? I live for Jesus Christ. 
All I care about is whether he thinks I'm good. And I know he loves me. I know he loves me. All right, I got to move on. Um, this love sanctifies. That's the next point. This love sanctifies. You see it here. It says it right in the text. I don't have to prove it to you. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Here's the main point. You need to read the word. If you're not reading the word daily, you can't love your wife well. <laughs> right? Get in the word. That'll wash you. Get in the word with her. Read the word over her. Read the word with her. Ask her if she's reading the word. I asked my wife yesterday, I was like, honey, um, this message is really hard and, and I'm not doing that well, so could you help me because I don't know how well I'm doing. Um, could you tell me where I'm loving you well, sacrificially, supernaturally, and could you tell me where I need to get better, like where I'm not loving you well? And she started to list some things. And I was like, well, that's God. Well, that's God. I was like, yeah, I don't read the Bible enough with you. I don't pray enough with you. And she said, Steve, I see you reading the Bible. And that encourages me to read the Bible. I didn't think of that. I'm not reading it so she can see me, right? But, but man, I think it does make a difference. If we're reading the Word and our wife sees us read the Word, she's like, hey, I want to be like that too. Like, like I'm in. And then occasionally... Because you're reading the word, not because she's having a bad day. <laughs> Usually when I ask my wife, have you read the word today? It's because she's not acting like she's read the word today. That's a bad time to ask. <laughs> because she's not going to respond well, you know she didn't read the word. <laughs> Ding dong. It's like, I got her. I know she didn't read the word. She's not acting like she read the word. Bad time to ask. Ask her on a day when she did read the word. That'll encourage her, right? Anyway, move on. The key here is sanctifying her, reading the word, cleansing her, okay? Um, John 15, 3 um, says this, uh, just Jesus saying, you need to abide in me. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken. Jesus spoke a word, that'll make you clean. He said that to the disciples, and then he's like, abide in me. And then John 17, 17, when he's praying, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So if you want to know how to be cleansed and how to cleanse your wife, read the Word. Abide in the Word. Okay, that's pretty clear. Um, and then he gets to the point where he's like spots and wrinkles. Do you see it there in the text? Without spot or wrinkle? Spots are defilements on the outside. Wrinkles come from decay on the inside. you got to protect the outside. you got to protect the inside of your own life and of your wife's life. What's going in? Many times I've practiced this with my wife. She'll say something and I'll go, hold on a second. Let me capture the lie that you're believing right now and let me insert the truth of the word of God. Man, you need to grow in that. And I need to too. And I need to know the word better so that I can, no, 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 hold on, baby. No, that's not true about you. Capture the lie. I know your friend might have said that, but that's not, that's not true. That's not true. Capture the lie Insert the truth. Here's the truth. This is what God says about you. That's so important. That will help cleanse your wife. It's a cleansing love. And then this, it's a love that sanctifies, but it's also a love that satisfies. Verses 28 and 29. It nourishes and it cherishes. 
It nourishes. I said that means to feed. Food to promote her development. Okay, you're back to the word again, right? It all is attached. You want her to be healthy. My wife's not going to be healthy if I'm not healthy. Have you ever figured that out yet? She's not going to... Very rarely, apart from me being healthy, is my wife going to be healthy in a sustainable way, right? I can get my wife in the ditch so fast if I'm in the ditch. Cherishes, it cares for, it provides, it protects, it comforts. Women really need comfort and security. They want to know, right, that they're secure. Tell them. I love you. I love you. We're going to be okay. If I had a dollar for every time I said that to my wife, it's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. This won't affect us. It might affect that. It might affect church. It might affect that. It might affect that. Like, it's not going to affect us. We're going to be okay. Make sure your wife feels cherished and cared for that way. Just, I wrote this down. I, I read it, I think, in some commentary. Men, men, you care for your bodies even though they're imperfect, eh? I have such an imperfect, imperfect body, mind. <laughs> I can't hear out of an ear today. And so we should care for our wives even though they're imperfect. Because he talked about our body and how we care for our body, right? It's imperfect. But we still keep caring for it. So when your wife's not perfect, what should you be doing with her? Just keep caring for her, right? That's, that's what we're told to do. Love that satisfies. I want you also to consider this. And you could just take some time. I, I, I got a bunch of things written down, but you could just take some time to do this on your own. I want you to go back through the Gospels, and I want you to look at every time Jesus interacted with a woman. How did he interact with them? How did he interact with the mom of John and James who came to him and said, hey, can my son sit beside you in heaven? He could have been like, who are you? What's wrong with you? Didn't do it. Hey, guys, you don't know what you're asking. He turned it to the guys, right? Put the pressure on the guys. How about the woman at the well? How did he treat her? What's wrong with you? No. He's like loving, gentle, calculated, truthful, honoring, forgiving. How about the woman that, you know, he enters the house of the Pharisee and the woman starts washing his feet, right, with her own tears? And they're all like, oh, if he was God, he'd know she was a sinner. How did he respond? Hey, Simon, I got something to tell you. Listen up. And then he tells him a story, right? And then he says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Don't go and sin no more, right? How about the woman who is caught in adultery? For sure Jesus is going to have a harsh word for her, right? How about her? Jesus, I just get this picture, right? They bring her. They're kind of trapped Jesus. And Jesus is there, right? Just think about how Jesus would treat his wife. Jesus is there. Here's how he's treating a woman, right? He's there, and every right, 
to throw the first stone. He said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Maybe he had a stone in his hand right here. And he's like, hey guys. And they're all like, whoop. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And he could have rightfully thrown the first one. And if he would have done it, all Bedlam would have broke loose. But he dropped the stone. And he got down on his knees and he started writing. And they started leaving. Oldest to youngest. Wise men are old. <laughs> Just go take some time, men, to see how Jesus interacted with the women in his life. How about when he's on the cross? You ever been in pain? I've been in back pain. I get very short with my wife. Jesus was on a stinking cross. And he's talking tenderly to his mom and to his, you know, brother in Christ, John, and saying, John, here's your mom. Mom, here's your son. Take care of her, John. Tender. It's just so convicting to see how Jesus treats women and how I don't treat them that way. I think you got to get a tear in your eye on that and just be like, man, I want to change. Man, I got to change. And that's the next point. I, I need you, God, to do this. Love is supernatural. Godly husbands have a love that's supernatural. I have to love supernaturally. I can't do it in my own strength or in my own flesh. There's no way. He says here, verse 28, I've written in my Bible so much I can't even see it. In the same way, sorry, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Hey guys, this is written to believers. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, there's no way you can do this. I'm not telling you to stop trying, although I'm kind of telling you not to try. I'm telling you to stop trying so hard to please your wife and love your wife and ask for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Give up on being good and die to yourself and ask God to make you great. Ask God to give you the blood of Jesus Christ over your sin so you stand a chance in doing what he's called us to do in loving our wives. Love supernaturally. Just for believers. Why? God created us. That's why. Man and woman. He created marriage. It was God's idea. It was God's plan. It, it calls it a mystery here, right? It calls it a mystery so let's get to this. Uh, turn to Genesis chapter 2. You've got to see this for yourself. Genesis chapter 2. I'm just going to read it for you quickly. Not going to try to exegete this passage or um, explain it. I just want you to see it. I think you need to you just see it for yourself. Chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. Amen? Come on, guys, I just teed you up. Okay, I'm going to give you another run because I know your wife would love to hear you at least be uh, expressive today. Then the Lord God said, 
It is not good that a man should be alone. Come on. Come on. Please, Lord, thank you. I will make him a helper fit for him. You know, Adam, anyway, I'm not going to expound. Now out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. What a responsibility. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. You mean God didn't overrule them? Wow, that's pretty cool. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Nobody fits with me. Nobody looks like me. Nobody interacts with me. Nobody talks like me. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, upon man. That's what Adam means. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, Thank you! No, that's not what it says. <laughs> this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. We talk about this a lot in premarital counseling. Leave and cleave. You leave your mom and dad. You create a new entity, a new church. I say you're the senior pastor of your own church. Right there at marriage. And you better do it well because God's holding you accountable. And hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were naked and were not ashamed until they sinned. That came next. Love supernaturally. Why? Because love came from God. We love because God first loved us. First, John 4.19. And then this, love is intimate, right? This love is intimate. I wanted to say sexual just so I could get like an S, and it got a little weird. Because the world says sex is dirty and wrong and sexual stuff is gross. Like, God created sex. God said they fit together. God said one flesh. God said hold fast. Those are all intimate terms. God made sex. He made it for so many different reasons. I'm not going to get into all of them. This isn't a message about sex. But I chose the word love is intimate. Love is intimate. Supernatural love is intimate. It's both physical and it's spiritual. That's the next point. This love is spiritual. It's a mystery. He says it there. This mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. The mystery is God's hidden plan not revealed in Jesus Christ, his bride. Marriage was put in Genesis in the Old Testament. But nobody knew what marriage really meant until Jesus came. And then once Jesus came, and Paul's now writing, he's like, 
dude, you wouldn't believe what this is about. This whole marriage thing. It was all pointing to Jesus and his church. It's a mystery now revealed in the New Testament. This was all pointing to God's relationship, Jesus' relationship with his bride, the church. Love supernaturally. Love is spiritual. Adam had to give a part of himself in order to get a bride. But Jesus gave all of himself to purchase his bride on the cross. This is a spiritual thing. Again, I say, if you don't know Jesus Christ, there's no way, fat chance you can love supernaturally. And therefore, the agape love that he's asking you to do, the, the way he's asking you to love your bride, you, you just can't do it. Give your life to Christ. you got a chance then. So just in case you get on a power trip, because so many people do this, you get on a power trip and you want to play the wives need to submit card with your wife. Oh boy, I played that once or twice. That did not go over well. I mean, it just doesn't go well. Why? Because it's not biblical. The biblical precedent here is, and the third point is, love submissively, right? I'm submitting to Christ in my love for my wife. Christ showed me how to love. That's how I even know how to do it. It's a submissive love. I need to lead in the submission. The way I submit to Christ is the way I want my wife to submit to me. That's what it says. That's what we're going to talk about next week. But it starts here with us men. If we're not submissive to Christ, why would we ever look at our wife and say, could you be submissive? That's ludicrous. Your wife's taking a, a page out of your book. How you're submitting to Christ, she's going to submit. So let me get on one practical application of that. Have you submitted to him in salvation? Are you saved? Okay. Have you submitted to him in baptism? That's the next step after you're saved. Then you get baptized to identify with Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, to say, I'm all in. I'm Jesus' guy. What happened to me inside? Look, it's happening outside. It's a picture. It's encouragement to the church. It's going to be here next week. I hope you'll be here. You're going to be super encouraged if you are. But you know what? Are you being submissive to the Lord? Because he asks you to be baptized. By water, by immersion, after salvation. And so, if you're going to love your wife, you've got to love submissively. Are you a member of a church? Right? This this. Because we are members of his body is pretty clearly in the text. And I would just say to you, I don't, I don't really want more members in the church. <laughs> Truth in church, okay? More members means more responsibility for me, which makes it harder. But I want to obey God's word. So if God gives us more members, then he'll have to give us more elders and more deacons and more leaders and more small group leaders and more health. So I don't ask you to be a member because I'm on some kind of power trip and I want to be your, like, dad. I don't. I got five kids. That's enough, okay? God's your father. Submit to him. Does that make sense? So 
I'm only trying to preach what I see the Bible. I'm trying to follow what I see the Bible says, and I'm trying to tell you, I think these are ways you could, as men, lead your family in being submissive. If your family hasn't been baptized, maybe you should get baptized next week and they'll follow you, right? If, if your family hasn't become members of the church, maybe you should become a member of the church and your family will follow you. Uh, that's how you can lead in submission to Christ and his church. Love is all about submitting to Jesus Christ. I want to put this on the board really bold. Men, here it is. If you're not loving your wife, you're sinning. I got to turn around and look at that too. All right. That's straight up. That's straight up. If I'm not loving my wife, the way God has prescribed sacrificial love, supernatural love, submissive love. If I'm not loving my wife that way, then I'm sinning. And I want to be washed with the water and the word. And so let's close this way. Maybe you need to take some time with your wife this week and ask her, honey, how am I loving you? Am I loving you sacrificially? Am I loving you Supernaturally, Do you see any fruits of the Spirit in my life, please? And then maybe you need to ask God, God, am I submitting to you? Am I submitting to you? Am I loving you submissively? Am I leading my wife in that? I got to tell you, man, after studying this message the last two days and after uh, preparing it, I have some work to do this week. And it started yesterday, and it's going to keep going. And I want to just give you guys, guys, listen up. Ladies, close your ears. Come on now. Guys, listen up. Next week, in the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity re to renew your wedding vows with your wife. Okay? But you don't want to come into next week if you haven't spent some serious time working on your thing. And leading your wife really well this week. And loving your wife really well this week. Woo her like you wooed her before so that she'll want to renew her vows with you. Is that clear? All right, let's pray. God, we need you. As men, whew, we need you. As ladies trying to follow these men, whew, we need you. As believers, we need you. Unbelievers in the room, they need you. God, would you open their eyes to see the picture, even in our own marriages, of who Jesus Christ is. I pray. Because we need you. In Jesus Christ's name.